Thanks for listening to another podcast from C3 East Village. Our hope is that this message will equip and inspire you in your walk with God. For more information about our church, check out our website at c3ev.ca or find us on Instagram at C3 East Village. Tonight, alongside my great friend Shelby, which will be coming up next. But I just wanted to start by acknowledging all women here. Like Desiree said, we want you to feel blessed and celebrate tonight, no matter where your journey is at. Becoming a mom, where you're, if, wherever it is. If you're a spiritual mom, a dog mom, all the moms, all the ladies, you deserve a seed paper. So get one of those. All right. This is my screen. We did Simply Jesus um, recently, which has been amazing. And we're changing and we're transitioning into a new series. But my husband didn't tell me what that was. He just told me and Shelby to speak on what God's telling us tonight. So it's all about Jesus at the end of the day, right? So let's bow our heads and I'm just going to pray for us tonight. Lord Jesus, we're just so thankful that you're present in this room, God. I pray that out of my lips come your words, Jesus. Out of Shelby's comes your words as well, Lord God. We pray that every heart here is open to hear from you, Lord. That it's nothing that I am saying, Lord Jesus, but it's you moving in this place, Lord Jesus. And we thank you that you're present, you're alive, and you're moving in this place. In your name I pray, amen. Awesome, Des. Lyndon. <laughs> I called you Desiree, sorry. <laughs> same, same. All right. So what God has been teaching me lately is point number one. He has given me a voice, and he has given you a voice. Yes. My thoughts have been lately and are a continual battle of getting my words right, having a certain style, making sure they all flow together for someone to hear the gospel. But I had, and I'm still working through that fear of having the wrong words, if you know what I mean. Well, in my morning devotions recently... After pondering after a coffee with someone, God really spoke to me through 1 Corinthians. So that will be our first passage tonight. 1 Corinthians 1.17. For Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the good news. The good news is that God loves you unconditionally. Jesus took all your sin, all your shame, and nailed it to the cross so you could come into a relationship with him freely. But the second part of this scripture, and not with clever speech, for fear that the cross of Christ would lose its power. We believe in baptisms here, don't get me wrong. But I'm focusing on, but to preach the good news, and not with the clever speech, for the fear the cross would lose its power. Clever speech to me would be having all my words together, by words together, like I said, it's fluently, it's these big words being able to carry on a conversation well. Not going to lie, I don't do the best at that, or I don't feel like I do the best at that. But power doesn't come from clever speech. Power comes from the cross, and that has given us power. Someone can have the most clever words, but without the cross, it has no power at all. If we point people to the cross, Jesus will do the saving. We don't have to make it more complicated than that. You are qualified with whatever you're going through right now 
Jesus has given you a voice to speak, and you are qualified. I am qualified because of the cross. You may deal with feeling unqualified, but you are qualified because of the cross. The cross will never lose its power. The scripture says, and not with clever speech for fear that the cross of Christ would lose its power. We should not be replacing our clever speech, our fear of missing, missing out, miss, messing up, feeling unqualified with the fear that the cross would ever lose its power. If you know Jesus, you would know the cross would never lose its power. I think I'm getting my point across that the cross would never lose its power. He is so current and he is so present in your life if you ask him into it. He has equipped you with a voice to share the good news. Using your voice doesn't have to look a certain way. It may not have a microphone. It may not be preaching to a crowd of people. It could just be having a coffee with someone. It's in an unpressured situation. It's just being there for them, being Jesus in their world. Having a voice and sharing about Jesus should not be forceful, should not be guilt-driven, but it's out of love. Like 1 Corinthians 13, 4 says, it's patient and it's kind. An amazing example that my husband referred me to, which is amazing, is Moses. Who knows Moses in this place? Don't know him personally, but I know his story. <laughs> and it's a pretty good one. Exodus 6.30. But Moses argued with the Lord saying, I can't do it. I'm such a clumsy speaker. Why should Pharaoh ever listen to me? Moses couldn't even talk. But he freed a whole nation from freedom. It wasn't about his clever words or getting everything right. It was by the power of the Holy Spirit working through him. Your voice has power because the cross has power. Can I see, hear you say I have a voice? You do have a voice. Let's believe that. Have you guys ever heard of the Mission Impossible movie? Tom Cruise does a pretty good job in it, fighting the missions that seem impossible. My second point here is he has a mission for me. He has a mission for you that is possible. That mission that you have is impossible if you're relying on your own strength. But with the power of God, it, he can use your voice and your influence to change a nation. Mark 16, 15, and he told them, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Once they believed, once they chose Jesus, he commissioned them. If you believe in Jesus, you have a mission. He has a mission for you. And what is that mission? To preach and speak the good news of Jesus. It's not much it's not complicated, and you're very qualified to speak the good news. The mission of Christ has called us to, to spread the news to everyone. You can't save anyone, but you can always point them to Jesus. We had this amazing opportunity, Stephen and I, we led the young adults in Tasmania um, for a few years, and this young lady came in, and we didn't know where she was at with her walk with Jesus, or if she, she even knew him. Um, but she just came into the community, hung out with us a bit, and it was awesome. We got to know her. We got to go for coffees and hang out. I chose to be present in her life, and however that looked, there was no pressure in the relationship. But it was amazing because we were just current. It was about maybe six months back, hanging out with her, getting to know her a bit, and we um, went actually to Fiji. We are coming back, and we got a text message from someone saying that, um, this girl, I was going to say her name, but I won't. <laughs> this girl has accepted Jesus into her life. 
How amazing is that? In this, it wasn't me using my clever speech or anything. I was only using the voice to show God's love to her. To love as Christ would love her. I wasn't doing it and doing anything out of the, or, like, out of the ordinary. I was just being present. I was being re relative to her and where she was at in her life. My voice wasn't at the front that's, that night when she decided to meet Jesus, but I was a seed along her journey that actually pointed her to Jesus. We won't always get it right. We may stumble over our words, but let's trust in Jesus. Trust in the cross, because he is the only one who can save. In Luke 1:37, for with God, nothing is impossible. Not only do you have a voice, but you have a mission that is possible because of the cross. Point number three, Jesus is for everyone. The message paraphrases in Romans 3, 21, 24, which I love. It's a bit of a lengthy one here. But what Moses and the prophets witnessed to all those years had happened. The God setting all things right, we read about, becomes Jesus setting all things right. And all, not only for us, but for everyone. Can I hear you say everyone? everyone. Yes. Who believes in him. For there is no difference between us and them. In this, since we've compiled this long and sorry records as sinners and provided proves that we are utterly incapable of living this glorious life, God wills for us. God did it for us. He did it for you. Out of his sheer generosity, he put us in the right standing with himself. It was a pure gift. He got us out of the mess we were in and restored us to where he always wanted us to be. He did it by the means of Jesus Christ. He is a pure gift. He's actually holding it out to you every opportunity tonight to actually receive Jesus into your life, if that's your choice. It's like Stephen when he gave me a gift this morning. He didn't be like, Brittany, here's your Mother's Day gift, and like toss it across the room at me. He didn't like frisbee it to the floor or whatever. He actually just placed it out in front, but it was up to me to place my hands out in front and actually receive it in. Jesus is for everyone and anyone who believes in him. When we choose to follow Jesus, God is asking us to confess our sins and ask for forgiveness. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us. Our sins, to our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 Corinthians 1.30, God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us as pure and holy, and he freed us from all sin. He has freed us tonight. Why would we live in chains when they have been broken? It is up to us to live out this freedom. The walk with Jesus isn't easy, but it's totally worth it. You may not see help in a situation where you need help. You may not see your answers to prayer. But let me tell you, he is faithful and he is worth trusting. In times when I don't know what to do, what the Bible would say is prophesy. But it's just speaking out the truth of God. It's speaking out his promises over your situations. He knows you better than you ever would know yourself. To believe in Jesus is a choice and it's a decision. When you're choosing, 
when you're having faith and trusting in him and what he did, you know the cross will never lose its power and you have a voice to share the good news. You know the mission he has set out for you is possible because of the cross. And you know that Jesus is for everyone who believes in him. Your, va your voice may not look like anyone else, may not look like mine, but it has power. God has called you even if you don't believe it yourself. You may not have, you may not have trouble speaking like myself, but you, are, you may feel unqualified for any task in front of you. But let me tell you, you are qualified and you are worth it. And that is my end. Thank you. Just going to take a moment right now, if you want to just bow your heads. If you feel unqualified in this place, if you feel like you don't have a voice, I would love it if you just want to stand. Everyone else's eyes are closed, and it's just between you and God. And I'm just going to say a prayer with you, and then we can take our seats. So if there's anyone in this room tonight, if you just want to stand, say, God, I feel unqualified right now. I feel like I don't have a voice, but give me a voice, Jesus. Thank you, God. Lord Jesus, we thank you for everyone standing in this place, God. We thank you that you have equipped them with a voice to speak your good news to this world, Jesus. We thank you that they are qualified because of the cross. We thank you that from this day forward, they would take the power of the cross with them wherever they may go. They would take the power of the gospel with them, Jesus, that you've equipped their mouth to speak the good news, Lord Jesus. And we thank you that they are qualified and they are equipped with you. We thank you for everyone, Lord Jesus. In your name I pray, amen. You may be seated. And I would love to welcome up my dear friend, Shelby Joy Ulrich. You're amazing, Brett. That's so good. Give Brittany another hand, please. <laughs> I just realized I brought like the heaviest things possible. So if the, the thing starts like going down to the floor, Sorry, like the heaviest Bible, and Brad's like, don't run me over, sink me, iPad cover. <laughs> a little heavy. Um, but Brittany, I thank you, first of all, Stephen and Britt, for allowing me to share the stage with you, Brittany. It's such an honor to be your friend and to have walked through um, a long part of our life together. It's been amazing and fun, and... Um, I am so grateful for what you, the part that you play in my sister's life, and I'm so thankful for the part that you play in my life, and thank you for letting me um, share tonight. It's so good. Actually, on Thursday night, um, I'm just going to take a moment, because on Thursday night, um, as we were texting back and forth about stuff about the women's event, um, afterwards, I put my cell phone down, and I started thinking about you, and um, I don't know if you remember... Uh, when we had a little prayer uh, send-off time for you before you went to Australia, I think it was in the Prominence, Providence, Prominence building, the church, and right in the front beside the stage, and um, we were praying over you, and um, I feel like Pastor Julie Thomas stole my thunder a little bit on Friday night because she spoke the exact same verse over you um, that God reminded me of on Thursday night, um, 
I'm 90% sure this was the verse that we prayed over you, Isaiah 61, um, pregnancy brain. But anyways, it was the verse that God gave me even on Thursday night. So whatever, I prayed it back then a long time ago or whatever. But that you do have a voice and that this community is going to be rocked and changed by you guys as a couple, but by you specifically too. And um, Pastor Julie just confirmed that in you. And I want to reconfirm that in you again. And um, God is so good the way that he weaves things together. And it's awesome. And seriously, Pastor Kelly, thank you for one of the most amazing, profound uh, women's events that I've ever been to this past weekend. It literally has changed um, just some major things in my world, especially relating to um, my kids, which is weird to say that I have children, but um, <laughs> but it's true. I do. So thank you so much for that. Um, such an honor to be a part of your worlds, and I'm a part of your church and community and awesomeness. And um, literally, <laughs> Pastor Julie, she talked about Hannah, but um, I feel like she'd almost talked about everything that I was going to talk about tonight, which is great because probably not most of you were there. So that's fine. But I'm going to talk about Ruth. Well, the book of Ruth, I'm going to talk about Naomi, which is Ruth's mother-in-law. Not really the main character of the story, but um, as I was reading um, and just felt like Ruth was on my heart, I wasn't sure why. And so when I was reading through the book of Ruth, um, her story really stuck out to me. And, and my title tonight is Bittersweet, because I really feel like Naomi's story is a story of, of um, going from bitterness um, back to sweetness. And actually, the, the name Naomi means pleasantness or sweetness. And um, she goes through a really tough situation, which we're going to go through tonight. And then um, um, God does some really cool things in her life. So if you have your Bibles, you're more than welcome to turn with me to the book of Ruth, um, after Judges, before Samuel, first Samuel. Um, if you are not familiar with the story, it's about an Israelite family, uh, Naomi and her husband, um, Elimelech, I think. They always have such awesome names. Um, that's hard to pronounce. And they're two sons. Uh, Israel's going through a famine, so they decide, oh, let's pick up and leave, and we're going to go to Moab, this pagan nation, and we're going to try and make it there. Unfortunately, when they're in Moab, um, Elimelech dies, and their two sons die, leaving Naomi... Um, a lonely widow, and two daughter-in-laws, lonely widows as well with her. So uh, right from the get-go of this book, you're like, oh, that's, that's not fun at all. That's pretty awful. Um, and we see that Naomi decides after 10 years of being in Moab that she's going to make this journey back to Israel, back to her hometown of Bethlehem. And her two daughter-in-laws start the journey out with her. But she soon comes, like, she comes to realize that, like, I can not even provide for myself because in those days to have husbands or sons to provide for you is a pretty big deal. So to be a widow, especially a widow without any family around in a foreign nation, um, was kind of like a death sentence, like very bitter circumstance. And so um, she's kind of realizing this and she realizes not only does she have her own mouth to feed, but she's got these two other widows to feed as well. Um, and she decides to say, okay, ladies, you, I think you need to go back to your father's house um, so that you can get remarried and have a better life because um, it's too late for me. God's given me these bitter circumstances. Um, she says, <laughs> she says, it has been far more bitter for me than for you uh, because the hand of the Lord is against me, which is pretty, um, 
uh, harsh speaking about yourself. The, the hand of the Lord is against me. And so she's trying to get let the kids go back to, like, a better life, but also trying to, like, relieve herself of the burden of having to care for these two uh, ladies as well. So the first um, daughter-in-law, her name is Orpah, uh, she kisses Naomi and then goes back. But Ruth, she it says in the Bible, clings to her, and she gives her this vow of loyalty, saying, I will, I'll never leave you. I'm going to be by your side. And so I'm sure Naomi's like, oh, that's so great, but I can't feed you, so we're both going to die, essentially. Um, it says in the Bible, I love it. It says, um, when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, no more. So they pretty much just walked in silence all the way back uh, for a silent treatment that you kind of hear about in the story. But it's just such an interesting, bitter situation. And um, so if Naomi's name is, is supposed to mean sweetness, pleasantness, she gets into the town of Bethlehem, and the women, like it says, she must have been well-known because the women and the whole neighborhood, they said, was stirred when she came back. They were really excited that she was back, and the women were all like, is this Naomi? Is this sweetness? And she was like, no, no, no. I'm no longer Naomi. Call me Mara, which means bitterness. So right there, she like... She names herself bitter. Like, I know some women can be a little bit bitter, but I don't know many who have actually named themselves, renamed themselves bitterness. Um, Naomi does that because she feels like it's just such awful circumstances. In Ruth uh, chapter 1, verse 20 to 21, she says this about herself. Call me no longer Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has dealt harshly with me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced bitter situations in your life where things don't go exactly the way that you planned them or um, people die when they're supposed to be uh, taking care of you and supposed to be in your life or um, things go wrong and you find yourself in a state where you weren't expecting yourself to be. Uh, this is where we find Naomi and Ruth, essentially. This is not what they expected, um, and it was not how they wanted to return back to, to Israel, back to their hometown. Um, but what I love about the story is that it doesn't end there. It's so good. It keeps going. Um, and I love that about God. Our stories don't have to end uh, in bitterness, but he takes us from these places into, into sweetness, into joy. And I love so much what Brittany was talking about, just simply Jesus. And that whole, um, that whole story of Jesus and his good news and who we are in Christ is really foreshadowed by a lot of books in the Old Testament, but especially in Ruth, that... Um, our stories can be renewed and restored and redeemed back to life by this amazing um, Jesus who has come to restore us. And uh, I love that even about this book. So the story goes on. Naomi um, may have seen Ruth as a burden, but she's, she's going to see her shortly as a blessing in her life. I don't know how many of you actually can recognize when a burden 
turns into a blessing in your world. And so she goes along, and, and Ruth is actually pretty determined. Uh, she gave her this big vow of loyalty, and so she's pretty determined to be a blessing to her mother-in-law, Naomi. And she goes into the field, and she starts to gather behind the other harvesters. And so in Israel, it was part of um, how they kept took care of the poor and the widow and stuff. They were allowed to, like, gather behind grain, behind these harvesters in the field, and then that's how they would feed themselves or whatever. So um, she was doing that, and she just so happened to be gathering grain in a field of a close relative named Boaz. Good old Boaz. <laughs> Good old Boaz. And um, she finds favor with Boaz, and uh, she is seen as a really hard worker. She's in there. She's there from the early morning and um, has been working hard. And even the harvesters tell that to Boaz. She's been working really hard. Like what her, it, it was quite amazing to them that she uh, was quite this diligent anyways. And so when she goes home, um, Ruth has this massive bounty from um, Boaz because she picked a whole bunch, but then Boaz gave her a whole bunch more and then said, go back to um, your mother-in-law and um, tell her that you're going to keep coming back to um, gather from this field. Don't go anywhere else because you'll stay safe here and you will, will, you'll have favor here. And so she goes back to Naomi and Naomi is really surprised. Like, where did you go? Like, how did you get this much food? And she's like, oh, I met your um, cousin Boaz or however they're related. And um, he found, and he found favor on me. And um, this is how, mu how much uh, he gave me and told me to come back. And I love what um, Naomi says to Ruth in chapter two. Uh, let me just get, yeah, chapter 2, verse 20, she says to her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Remember, she thinks she's as good as dead, right? So she's pretty much like just saw this glimmer of hope. Like, thank you, God, for this hope that you've given to me who I thought was dead. Um, and then she tells Ruth that he's a close, he's a close relative of hers. And uh, um, I love that she recognizes that the Lord um, wasn't going to leave her to die. And I hope that in your situation as well, that you recognize, even if it's in, in these really awkward, bitter uh, state, that the Lord is not going to leave you there. Uh, there is favor in your life that we can actually begin to recognize if we just look for it. And I think that's what happened to Naomi here, is um, she was so concentrated on how awful her situation was that she didn't realize that this burden, Ruth, turned into her blessing. And I think a lot of us in our lives need to be able to see a situation with uh, true eyes, being able to not just see the bitterness, but be able to go, okay, God, where are you in this situation? What are the blessings in this situation? Where is your favor? Because there is always his fingerprints upon things. And I think that as soon as we start to recognize where his fingerprints are and begin to lean into those things and begin to thank God for those things, um, we begin to focus on them, which means that they become greater in our lives. And so instead of focusing on the bitterness and having that become really big in our eyes, we start to focus on things that we can be thankful for, the favor of God that we see in our lives, and that becomes 
greater. And we even see that in this story with Naomi. She starts to um, lean into this blessing, this Ruth. And she says, okay, well, we, now we got to like, I want to secure a marriage for you. I want to I wanna give you some security. And she starts to actually honor and give back to um, Ruth because she's been such a blessing to her. And I think that's really important for us to remember as well, like to lean into the blessings that we see in our life, even if our situations seem really bitter. Um, so the story doesn't end there. So I, like I said, she's trying to um, secure a marriage for Ruth. And essentially, she tells her to go back to Boaz, and she gives her all these instructions. I really encourage you actually to read it, because it can be... Um, fascinating to read. I don't know why I'm doing this. I don't know. <laughs> it's, um, it's fascinating. I encourage you to read it. Um, but she follows all of the instructions that Naomi gives her. And essentially, Boaz honors this. And she says, and he says to her, I see how much you honor your mother-in-law. I see how much you're loyal to her. So I'm going to do the same for you. Let me work this out. I'm going to go and... Um, and work it out so that I can marry you and essentially redeem your whole um, family, the whole of Naomi's family name. And so he goes and he does that, and uh, he essentially becomes what they call a kins kinsman redeemer. So somebody who can actually go and redeem uh, this family name and all the children that they begin to have and all the inheritance will stay under, like, Naomi and her late husband's family instead of being, like, um, consolidated into the Boaz estate. Um, it'll stay Naomi and her late husband's estate, if that makes sense. And, um, and great, that thought's gone, so we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Guys, pregnancy brain is a real thing, so praise God that I'm up here and I can string three words together. So good. Um, but anyway, so Boaz becomes their kinsman redeemer. They get married, and they um, conceive. It says the Lord um, made Ruth conceive a boy. And I love that because that brings hope back to Naomi. And that um, really essentially uh, starts uh, this amazing um, trend in Naomi's life, I believe, to um, go from this bitterness, this bitter state, back to her original state of um, sweetness. And I, um, I'm going to skip that whole page. But what I really find is interesting about this story is the end of this. Because remember how in the beginning the women were like, hey, look, it's Naomi. Or hey, look, the pleasantness has returned to us. And she tells them, oh, no, 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 I'm Mara. This is bitterness that's returning. In the end of Ruth, uh, when we hear that Boaz um, and Ruth were going to get married, um, the women actually speak life back over Naomi. So I, I love this because words are so powerful. And um, it it's, was really heartbreaking for me to read that Ruth had renamed herself Bitterness. That's a big deal. When I was choosing the names for our son, and both sons, like it was a big deal for us because the meanings um, play such a huge part in who they are going to become. And I know that because my name plays such a huge meaning in who I am. 
Shelby Joy. That's who I am. And so I wanted my boys to be able to feel that same way about their name. This is who I am. And Naomi must have felt the same name about her name, Sweetness. That's why she had to change it when she felt like it was bitterness. Does that make sense? It's powerful. And so I love in chapter 4, in verse 14, the women. It says, Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without next of kin, and you and you this day without next of kin, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, uh, who is more to you than seven sons, has borne him. And I love that God uses these women to reverse what she said over herself. And it touched me so much because I want to be someone who uses my words to speak sweetness and life over other people who have spoken um, negatively about themselves. And this is such a beautiful picture of what Jesus does for us. He speaks sweetness back into our life when we meet him and we surrender everything to him. All the bitter situations, he, he speaks life and he restores life back to us. It's such a beautiful picture. Um, and I just, I think even just the being able to speak life into you, Brittany, has been such um, a work from Ruth and from Naomi. And I hope that we all can grasp um, that if you're in a bitter state, that God's not going to leave you there. He's got more for you. Look at where, is he, where he's at. Look at where um, his fingerprints are and be able to seek him out. I love it. Um, sometimes I didn't fully understand, like, if you look for me, you will find me. When he says in the New Testament, Jesus says, if you seek me, you'll find me. If you knock, the door will be open to you. And um, honestly, I truly think that, like, when you're searching for Jesus, he reveals himself. But I also think in situations that we have, when we look for Jesus in those situations, he's going to reveal himself to us. We think it's all bad, but it's, it's not all bad. Um, I grew up without a father. He died when I was really young, and that's all bad, right? All bad, but God, essentially, but God, I love that saying, um, when you begin to look, I love hindsight is twenty twenty. When you begin to look into every situation um, that I thought were so dark and so deep and so bitter, you can see the hand of God and how he's leading me through it and how he's bringing um, people into my world to be able to encourage me. And not only people and like really honorable men who have been amazing father figures in my life, but how he has stepped in to be my father. It's just been truly um, amazing. And I think it would be weird to think like my life wouldn't be like this if my dad was still alive. I'm sure it would be great. But I, I have come to a place in my life where I truly love my life. And I truly love every single situation because it has led me to this amazing place with these amazing people in my world and this amazing revelation of who God is. And I can't ever really give that up. So tonight, if you're feeling like um, you're in a situation where you really can't see the good in it, you really can't see the fingerprints of God, I want to encourage you today that he is there. And I want to pray with you 
tonight for that as well. And I also want to pray for people who want to be a voice like Brittany was speaking about. God is so good to weave things together again. Um, if you want to be a voice of sweetness into the world around you, into friends around you, to be able to call out what God is doing in their worlds, because we all need that encouragement. We all need someone to be able to say, you know what? You're going places. I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what you're going through right now. There's this call on your life, and it's going to be amazing, and you're going to rise up, and you're going to keep going. Um, so tonight, if one of those two things resonates with you, I just want to encourage you. I'd love to get the keys up here. That always makes everything just so much. <laughs> like you're swimming through this beautiful atmosphere of spirit fingers, and it's beautiful. But um, why don't you close your eyes with me? If there is just one of those things that we spoke about tonight that resonates with you, there's just some really hard things going on in your world that you can't seem to get out of, you can't seem to see the light at the end of the tunnel, I encourage you just to stand tonight as well as if you are wanting to be someone who speaks life into people, um, speaks God's truth upon their life, being able to recognize where God is if they can't recognize it and speak that out. Why don't you just stand with me tonight? I know I'm there standing with you. Thank you, God. Jesus, we worship you and we praise you for who you are. God, you are um, so good and you are so faithful and your word confirms that over and over and the experiences in our life will confirm that over and over that you are faithful, Lord Jesus. And so tonight, um, I just declare over everyone that feels like they're in a bitter situation, I declare your light would shine upon them, Lord God. They'd be able to see your working in their lives. They'd be able to see the fingerprints of heaven in their situation, Lord God. They'd be able to lean in to you, Lord Jesus, in what you're doing. Father God, I pray that you would just ignite hope inside their spirit in the name of Jesus. Father God, I thank you that you said that you would change our mourning into joy, Lord God. And so I just declare that over their lives right now. Father God, and I thank you for um, each one of us in the room, Lord God, that says we want to speak your life into the world around us. We want to speak your life into our friends, into our family. Lord God, what a joy it is to recognize you in people's worlds, Lord God. And so I just declare um, strength and courage and boldness to speak your life into people's hearts, into people's spirits right now in Jesus' name. Thank you so much, God, for tonight. We're so honored to be um, a part of your family and to be children of you, Lord God. You are so faithful, Lord Jesus. I can never get that word out of, my, out of my vocabulary anymore, Lord God. You are so faithful. And I thank you that you will reveal yourself faithful to every single person in this room tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. That was awesome. Thank you for letting me share. Yeah, how good was the, the duo there? Give them another hand. So good, you Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our website at c3ev.ca. See you next week.